And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin a fresh week here coming off Thanksgiving. I hope you and your family had a fantastic holiday. If you're back in town, if you're listening on our great Raiders T-Mobile app, we appreciate that at lvsportsnetwork.com. Again, from my family to your family, I hope you had a great holiday. Got a little bit of time to get away. The Raiders got a little mini bye week. When you play on that Thursday game, it's either great, you win, or it's haunting. Because if you lose, you got to sit back and wait the following week a little bit longer and stew in the loss. And the Raiders coming off one of their best victories of the year, uh, one of the highest rating games of all time. Everybody saw it around the country, and everybody's talking Raider Nation. So this is a big bleeping deal. The Raiders are back. The Raiders are back in the playoff hunt where they could have been gone for good after losing to Cincinnati. Losing to Cincinnati and then potentially losing to Dallas and then having to wait and sit back with all the chaos that's happened this year off the field, would not have been a good formula for this team and organization. They desperately needed a win. Desperately, and they got it. And they deserved it. It was a complete team effort. Offense, defense, special teams. And now the Raiders, as we prepare for the Washington football team, have an opportunity to go 7-5. and five. We know teams are playing each other in the division, and the Raiders could pick up much-needed ground. That's it. That's the storyline the rest of the way. That's all I got. All right, it's go time again. So what I want to do today is celebrate the win because I hosted the post game afterwards, if you caught any of that. That was pretty wild. Had a good time. Thanksgiving I spent at the M Resort Spa and Casino. I enjoyed it. It wasn't, it wasn't my wife's cooking on Thanksgiving. Bobby was back in studio. We enjoyed it very much. And then I had a late start to Thanksgiving after the post-game show. And I do that every week. I'd work every Christmas, Thanksgiving holiday the rest of my life if I knew the Raiders were going to win on that day in dramatic fashion, especially in front of a TV audience that big and get it done. And they crushed the hopes of Dallas. Dallas is going to make the playoffs, but Dallas was crushed. My son went to that game, and he was you know, sending a couple of uh, pictures throughout the game, and he walked out of that game. He walked out of that game. I'm proud of my son. My son drove from Norman, Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, to Dallas with a fraternity brother of his. Uh, We got him tickets to the game, and he went in there wearing his Carl Nassib jersey. Carl Nassib jersey, my son, supporting every member of this Raider organization, diehard Raider fan, and he walked out of there. And he was FaceTiming my wife and I with the crowd behind him. It was the happiest I've seen him as a Raider fan, other than when he was a little boy. I got him on the sidelines to meet Carr and some of the coaches and Willie Brown and Bolitnikoff. He was so proud to walk out of Dallas with his buddy, who's a Cowboy fan, goes to college with, and just enjoyed it. So we had a great weekend talking about that. And then my son goes to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley left. And I wait till I get to that story. There's a lot of USC fans here in Vegas and listening around the country on the Raiders mobile app. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So the number today, today's show is simple. I clear the deck out on Monday. 
We got Mark Anderson next hour, the great Las Vegas Review Journal columnist. And then I got about five open segments for phones because I want to celebrate the Dallas win. You can mention Washington. You can do whatever you want, but I don't want to get into the preview of that. Basaccia is speaking today. I want to know about the Waller injury. Raiders are really tight on injuries this year. You don't know who's coming and going, and that's fine. They're not here to go out and write a book for every insider and fan to know who, how everybody's feeling going into a game. But we need some clarity on some of these injuries. Trayvon Mullen, Morrow, Incognito. I'm expecting none of them back. And the three to four players, including Nassib and Darren Waller, who got hurt in that game. My biggest concern the entire year was injuries. If you've listened to the show, you know that. The fact that there are people going down and substitutes are playing in their position. Substitutes, not starters. That's a concern for me. The starters need to get back on the field. This is a playoff run. Some of these injuries, look, if you're injured and can't play, fair, fair enough. But we got to know if you're coming back in three or four weeks or six months or what's going on here or next man up, get another player in here who can play. So the Raiders now are injured. Are they healthier than other teams? Mike McCarthy, the breaking news today, out for Thursday night COVID. There is a new COVID strain, period, that's serious. Don't give me any of the garbage out there. It's serious, and the NFL is aware of it. Not so much this strain, but what's already out there, and people are catching COVID, and it's affecting big games. And the Raiders so far, knock wood, have been pretty clean all year long compared to last year. So that's going to be a big cause of concern, and the Raiders are coming off kind of a bye week. So they're going to have to get tested and be clean and be ready to go for this Washington game coming up here. Before I get to the highlights, a couple other big points with what this organization's been through. All family. They just went through Thanksgiving and a victory. Let's make sure they know it. After everything that's happened this year with the resignation of the head coach, the Henry Ruggs tragedy, killing Tina Tintor, Everything that happened this year, I mean, everybody's been through too much, way too much. So hopefully everybody gave thanks over the holiday. Everybody's fresh, ready to go, getting the tailgate ready for Sunday. Washington's in town. Oh, you think we got a little payback with Washington? The Washington emails? You think that's a story? I've already got booked on two shows in the nation's capital. Once again, they want JT the Brick to come on and explain the Raiders. Well, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to them. Also, Joe Theismann will join us later this week, and I'm trying to get some alumni that match up well with Washington as we open up the week in the show. And I'm excited. If you told me before the start of the season that this would be the Raiders' record, I'd take it. Now, I don't like how they got there. The path is really strange. The path of losing to Chicago, uh, losing to a team like Cincinnati, the path is very bizarre. But I'll take this record. If you told me this in June or July, JT, would you take this record? I go, yeah, yeah, give it to me. Let's see what happens. Now, should it have been a better record? Yeah, I think it should be a better record. should be a better record by two more games. But we can't control that anymore. All we can do is look ahead and see where these teams are in front of the Raiders. Uh, the Chargers lost yesterday. Denver all of a sudden is alive. Denver all of a sudden is alive with the same amount of wins as the Raiders. I think the big storyline going to be the rest of the year is this. That the Raiders get the Chargers and the Broncos at home. Okay? They have to win those games. They already lost to the Chargers. Now, I don't, th- I don't know if they'll beat Kansas City. They might get swept. Kansas City and Kansas City, believe me, I'm not planting my flag. 
in the sand saying that that's a game they're going to win. It'd be nice if they won. They won that game last year. And then you look at Indianapolis that lost yesterday. Indy's really good. And then Cleveland lost, and the Raiders play Cleveland. And Cleveland's on the brink because of Baker Mayfield being injured. So with all this happening here, if you want to look ahead and start counting wins and trying to figure out how many more games the Raiders need, I think I think the Raiders have to beat Washington. That's a team they're supposed to beat. Don't tell me Heineke's coming in for a win. Don't tell me Heineke's coming in for a win. Don't even go there. Don't go there. Don't tell me he's coming in for a win, but that's a good football team, well coached. But Derek Carr's got to outplay that quarterback the way he outplayed Dak, and the Raiders will win that game. And then after that, it's got to be a sweep of the Chargers in Denver that would get the Raiders to nine wins. And then you need one more win, one more, out of Kansas City, Indy, and Cleveland. That sounds reasonable. But the problem why it's not reasonable is the Chargers in Denver are good enough to beat the Raiders, but the Raiders get them at home. So this is the way I'm thinking now. I'm looking ahead, but today I kind of want to concentrate on the Dallas game and what happened there. To start it off, Derek Carr to Deshaun Jackson needed to happen. This guy does not need to come off the field once he's fully conditioned and ready to go on every play. He was the difference maker. Carr from the gun takes a snap. Has all day. Good pocket. Fires. Caught. And there is Deshaun Jackson down the sideline. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Las Vegas. That's why they picked up Deshaun Jackson. And he burned the Cowboys with a huge touchdown to start this game. Oh, baby. It's exactly why they got him. Brett Musburger on all these calls. I thought Deshaun had a big game. It was an important game. He had to get open early. He had to get the crowd out of the game and the Raider fans into the game. Loved his effort in this game. Deshaun Jackson, three receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown on only four targets. Give us more of that going forward, and I think the Raiders are going to be in a good place. What we also saw in this game was a lot of pass interference penalties. The flags came out, and I think the Raiders had the advantage in some of these calls. Hey, it's part of football, but these refs were flag happy. Carr takes a snap for the gun, pocket holds, going to go for the home run ball, going to go Deshaun, and penalty flag is thrown in the end zone. Deshaun Jackson working against Anthony Brown in the end zone, and if this is against the Cowboys, it's coming out of the one-yard line. Pass interference, defense number 30. The ball will be placed at the spot of the foul, automatic, first down. How many times have we sat here saying throw it deep? Throw it into the end zone. You could get a catch or a flag. And I didn't see enough of that this year until the Dallas game, where at least they were taking shots downfield. And they're very impressive when they're able to do that. So the penalties went both ways, but a lot of Dallas fans are still pretty pissed off coming off Thanksgiving. They thought they got robbed in that game. They thought there were too many pass interference flags against them, and they are bitter about that. That had a big background with this game, and maybe it affected the outcome. Look, the Raiders got breaks. They got penalty calls in their favor, and they didn't have to face Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Too bad. That's the way football is. Guys go out all the time, and they're injured. I like the way Josh Jacobs ran. He had a burst to him. He had the burst on the inside and the outside. He had a big game. At the one-yard line, first down and goal. Josh Jacobs likes to go airborne, gets a handoff, runs in easy. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs runs it in for the Raiders. You know, we've been calling for this game for Josh for a while. He still didn't have 100 yards. He had 87 yards, but they were really tough yards on 23, uh, 22 carries, 
21 yards was the longest run. I like if Josh does this every game, Drake had 25 yards, Josh 87. I mean, that's the Raiders rushing for 100 yards and Josh doing most of it. I thought that was great. That's a big storyline in this game. Also, Marcus Mariota in the red zone, something you should see more and more going forward. Carr is going to be the receiver on the left side. Cowboys are trying to have somebody account for Carr out there. Mariota with Jacobs alongside him. Keeps it. Mariota. Jackpot, baby! Marcus Mariota takes it home for the Ninth Island. Attaway! That's a nice wrinkle for the Raiders. I wouldn't have Carr play wide. I'd have Carr out of the game, and I'd have a real wide receiver there to get to think Mariota can throw. Mariota's a hell of a quarterback there, but that worked in that situation. Nice job by Greg Olson and his staff to use that there when they needed it. You could tell all hands on deck. Every play was available in the playbook. Now, I really thought the Raiders had the game locked up by that point of the game, but they just couldn't extend the lead. They kept going up by a touchdown, eight points. They couldn't extend the lead more and put the game away. They let Dallas hang around, and then this Pollard kickoff looked like it was going to change everything. And a return by Pollard. He's the return man all day. Gets outside the numbers and left a great return. 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. He could be gone. He's headed for the end zone. Touchdown, Cowboys. A 100-yard return for Tony Pollard. And what a lift when this stadium was down. You can't have a more damaging play than that right there. If the Raiders lost the game, that was the reason they lost the game, period. That was it. You can't, let, you can't allow that to happen. What are they thinking, kicking the ball and not kicking it out of the end zone at that point? You got a, a kicker who's got a big leg and can pull it off. So that was concerning at that point in the time, and the, the two-point conversion failed. So it was 24-19, to 19, but then Carr had to get to work to try to close this game out, and it was great to see him run the football. Carr going to have to run it out to the right. He's in trouble. He's going to take off. He may have the first down. He does, and still going 40 and out of bounds at around the 45-yard line. It was Derek Carr who kept it, saw the alley open up, and made his biggest run of the season. All right, let's stop for a second and talk about that. How long have we been talking about that? That is the difference right there, that soundbite, of Derek Carr. The difference between Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, possibly Lamar Jackson, who struggled last night. Derek's got to show that in his arsenal. He must. If he doesn't do it, then he's he's going to have a ceiling. He has a very high ceiling, but there is a ceiling there. If he shows that he can run, not every time for 20 yards, for 10, for 8, then it keeps everybody honest, and he can do it. And he's got to do it more because he changes the game. So great to see Derek Carr. Derek had an amazing game with his back up against the wall with pressure on him, and Carr came through in a big way. We also got to get to Daniel Carlson, who was fantastic in this game. Literally ice water in his veins making big kicks. From the left hash, 30-yard field goal attempt. Make this an eight-point game. Good hold, and it's on the money again. And there's another penalty flag. Now, that was good, and that was an eight-point game. The reason why they're up is because Dallas missed an extra point early, and they were chasing that extra point the entire game, chasing it. So they decide to go for it. They have an unbelievable drive. Prescott to Schultz to make it 30 to 28, and this is when it got dicey as Dallas went for two. 30 to 28. 
Elliott is the running back. They'll start the two-point conversion on the three-yard line. Play fake, throw right side, and walk in for the two points of Schultz again. Now, I don't exactly remember where I was at that time at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, but you could hear the oxygen come out of the room. Right there, it looked like the Raiders were going to lose the game, and the Raiders were out playing Dallas, but Dallas did what they needed to do to tie the game. And how would the Raiders react to this? Well, the Raiders were able to react to it. They did a great job. They did an unbelievable job when they had to in overtime. Again, another P.I. call. When you think about these plays, taking chances with the game on the line, this one fell in the Raiders' favor. Carr is back into the gun, looks in that direction, has time, fires deep down the right to Zay Jones. Jones jumps, grabs for the ball, penalty flag. It's going to be first down at the 15. Zay Jones was tackled. Brown was the defender, and the Raiders are in business. If Derek checks down on that play, the game's over. Derek has to trust, has to trust his receivers to make a play. He did. He got a flag. You've heard me talk about this at nauseum. Throw the ball up, throw it in the end zone, trust your receivers, let them make a play, or get a flag. And you got you can't check down on these plays. you got to go for it and hope you get a flag or a big play. Derek was able to do that, and then Carlson came on to win the game. On its way. Yes. The Raiders come up a winner, upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving afternoon, 36-33, and they snap the three-game losing streak and jump right back into the thick of playoff talk. Great call by Brenton Lincoln. They had an outstanding broadcast. I was thrilled about that, so everybody should be celebrating this. I saw CBS Sports put this out today, and I screenshot it. It says, when Carr throws for over 300 yards, the Raiders are 6-0. When he throws for less than 300 yards, the Raiders are 0-5. When Carr throws for more than 300 yards, they average 32.2 points a game. When they don't, they average 11.2. When Carr throws for over 300 yards, the Raiders have 11 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. When Carr throws for less than 300, six touchdowns, six interceptions. And when Derek throws for over 300, his rating is 108.7. When he doesn't, it's 82. My point is this. A fourth grader can understand this in math. Derek must throw for over 300 yards every game if the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. That's it. It's not, hey, we can win this grind-out game, throw for – no, 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 no. Derek, this offense is now open. The offense must remain open. Vegas is a 24-hour town. Our restaurants and bars do not close. The Raiders' offense can no longer shut down and close for a few hours. The Raider offense needs to be open constantly, opening – to attack and make plays and do whatever they can to win games. This is an offense, and the strength of the team is an attacking high-powered offense, and that must remain the same. There should be no more reverting back to handoffs on dead downs up the middle for one yard. There should be nothing else other than an attack style that can take this team to the playoffs. Nothing else will work. No, Don't go back. Do not go back. You just got this. You got it right in front of you. Show the film of Dallas. Show what this team looks like when they're playing balls out and they're picking up the pace and the tempo and they're not huddling up looking at the looking at the sideline going, what are we doing next? No, 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 no. We're done. 
Offense is open. Greg Olson opened it. Keep it open and let it go. And if you have to run the ball to close out games, close out games. If you have to run the ball at the goal line, run the ball at the goal line. Between the 20s, this is Derek Carr's season. He's having a great year when they're playing well. He has to continue to attack. 702-365-9200. Greg and Flagstaff. Greg, what's happening? Hey, JT. How's it going, man? Good to talk to you. It's been a while. Um, Just a great game. I was back home in Vegas with the family watching the game, screaming and cheering, and it was just so awesome to be back home when watching our team win. I hope Waller isn't hurt. I understand it's not that bad. Looking forward to getting him back out there because that helps open the offense. Just wanted to call and say hi, give you a big shout-out, and let you know I'll be at the Washington game next weekend. I'll come by the torch and see you. Go Raiders. You got it, buddy. Take care. Good friend of mine, Craig. Thanks for checking in. Took me fishing multiple times. Took my son's uh, wakeboarding. Good man. Happy he's coming to the game. And, yes, meet me at the torch. We'll be at the torch for the pregame with the great Eric Allen. Excited about that. And, you know, you look at this team and how this team is playing right now. They have momentum. And they've had some time to rest. And Washington's playing tonight. So everyone's got a homework assignment tonight. Everyone needs to watch this game. Everybody needs to watch Washington tonight and to see how they look, to see some of the schemes and packages that they're definitely going to use on a short week against the Las Vegas Raiders. You know it. A lot of what you're going to see tonight, you're going to see against the Raiders. So everybody watch that game. It'll be a big part of our preview coming up as we continue on. Reggie in North Las Vegas. What's happening, Reggie? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Man, I'll be 100% best Thanksgiving Thursday in a long time. And it's because we beat them cowgirls. We beat them at their game. If you look at back at some of our games against Dallas, they used to eat us up because of our DBs not getting their head around. Just like D.C. throwing the ball out there, you either get the catch or nobody get it or you get a penalty. Put the ball up. I love it. I love it. And guess what? 14 penalties against the Raiders, 110 yards. 14 penalties against the Cowboys, 166. I don't want to hear it. We have the index card to remember. We'll never forget that. Mm -hmm. Dallas is out of our way. Now let's get focused. Let's take care of this risk. I mean, here we go. Washington team, let's take care of business at home. We got to do it. JT, I hope I get to see you this weekend, my man. I'm I'm shouting out the entire Raider Nation because I need y'all to stand up and wake up and unite. Let's go. We got this. We can do this. You know, the penalties are a big problem with this team. 14 is just completely unacceptable for 110 yards. The pre-snap penalties, the mistakes that they make. Look, a pass interference here, the late hits. The mistakes that the Raiders have made, 14 penalties. Can you imagine they lost this game with 14 penalties? What the league would be saying about the Raiders today? It's an afterthought. Everybody's worried about Dallas whining and complaining about their 14 penalties, and especially the pass interferences. It is the job of Rich Passaccia to clean up these penalties. They're becoming a problem. The penalties are a problem with this team. How much longer are we going to talk about it? Clean up the penalties, the pre-snap penalties on the O-line, and hey, tell the defense, I know they're playing hard. You cannot wrap up and grind and throw people to the ground. You can't hit late. 
It's tough. You can't, you know, how do you tell that to Yannick Ngakwe or Max? You got to be careful when it comes to that. Again, I got an open line show. We're on all over the place. Raiders beat the Cowboys. Let's hear for some people. 702-365-9200. On the victory against Dallas and how that changed your Thanksgiving. How was your weekend coming off that win? Passionate Raider, go ahead. Man, JT, I, w- I woke up on, on Thursday. I couldn't even get motivated for the game. I just, it just, I had a, I had a calm about me and throughout the whole game, I just was a calm. But then when that second quarter rolled around and we were handling business, they missed that field goal. Gosh, I wanted Derek to come out and hammer that ball down and put them points on the board. If we're going to defer to the second half, let's get them points at the end. At the end, we can't. Those are the only two things I had about that game. Because if we would have got those two possessions right there, it was game over with. It didn't matter. There was no there, Dallas wasn't coming back. And I hate the Dallas Cowboys. And we come out there, and Derek Carr did what Derek Carr, what we asked him to do. Why he makes us rip our hair out at times. Because when he plays like that, that is the Derek Carr that we need to play every week. That was a fire. That was an inspirational game. At the end of that game, to lay the Cowboys down, if it's by one, two, three, I wish it was more, but it was a WJT, and that's what this team needed. This is what we needed. So we, I, I'm going to stay hyped. I'm going to stay pumped up, but we got to see the consistency. we got to see those points, points on the board on those momentum drives because every game now, what is it, like six games in a row now we've deferred? We've got to get those points at the end of the half in the beginning of the third quarter. And we're going to keep it rolling, JT. Let's see what happens this week on the Washington. You know the best defensive line in the NFL. We've got some history with Washington. Jack Del Rio's over there. This is going to be a crucial game for Derek Carr to come out and show this world what Derek Carr can do. Move those feet just like he did on Thursday, JT. We're golden. Have yep. a good day, Appreciate man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Derek Carr running now adds a nice wrinkle. We've always known that Derek could run, but maybe he runs more now because he had that big moment, that big run, and he sees the field a little bit better. When, when you have Deshaun Jackson, what he does when he runs those go routes, it takes two defenders with him that have their back to Derek, have their back to Derek. When you have Darren Waller, he's double teamed. That's when Darren Waller is cutting across the middle of the field. Say Derek's lined up at the right hash, and Carr, and, and all of a sudden Waller is going to the left hash, and he's bringing two other players along with Deshaun Jack- Jackson bringing two players deep. Those are four out of the 11 players. Now four are rushing him. Okay, that's eight out of the 11 players who are in chaos, and Derek can run. And there's going to be movement from Derek, and he's, there's going to be spaces on the field that are open that he can run to, period. He's got to do it. Must do it because it adds a wrinkle to the Raiders' offense that they desperately need. It's exactly what we see. It's exactly what we see when we look at Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't run as much as he used to, but he's great at picking up first downs. Derek has to pick up more first downs with his legs because it's just too stressful on third and six and third and seven. He's got to do a better job. That whole entire 27-minute monologue brought to you by PTs. What a happy hour they have. What a Thanksgiving they've had. What a job they've done in the community to give back over the holiday season from food drives to their involvement here in the community. PTs fuels the monologue as we open up the show. Head on out this weekend or head on out to watch the Golden Knights as they're a proud partner of VGK. Who kind of got to get going, too? I watch a game they win. I watch a game they lose. 
Talking about the health of the Raiders, how about the health of EGK? We're open lines to the top of the hour. We want to hear from you. How'd the wind change your Thanksgiving? How excited are you in Raider Nation? Let's get the show going on a Monday. Absolutely. We have to be able to, when, when they stop them, you know, we got to be able to move it and get points. You know, whatever, and we, we always talk about it. Let's get points. We want touchdowns, but we always want to keep adding to the scoreboard, especially against that offense. You know, against this team, you, you know, we scored early, and we're like, yeah, we got to, we were up 14, it was a six in the first quarter. So, yeah, that's not going to be enough, guys. We got we to gotta keep our uh, foot on the pedal, and obviously it came all the way down to overtime, you know, in their stadium. Derek Carr. We'll hear from the head coach, Rich Passaccia. I believe he's speaking at the top of the hour, so we'll cover that live. As we kind of do, we like to do that. You'd rather hear the coach than me. We'll get the coach on at the top of the hour if uh, he's on time, and they're doing that as the Raiders are back to take on the Washington football team. And they play tonight. So I hope all the players, and I don't know what they're doing with protocol and all that, but I hope they're all watching the game together, the offensive line, the linebackers, whatever they're doing as a team, and sit down and watch this game. Because the Raiders have had some time off, and Washington will be on a short week. Washington's playing tonight. I think a lot of their scheme will be similar from the game tonight. So the Raiders can get a live look ahead as they're relaxing, getting healthy, going up against Washington. Before we get out to the calls, if you want to get through, good time, 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Doghouse Saloon, my home for Monday Night Football. Have you been to Resorts World yet? If you're saying no... I'm shocked. If you live locally in Vegas, you got to look at it. Free parking. Go there. Walk around. It will blow you away. And right in the middle of it is the Doghouse Saloon, where they have their sports book and their entertainment and the games and all the screens. It's fantastic. So I'm there for Monday Night Football. Doghouse Saloon, the official Monday Night Football spot for our show. Lincoln Riley has left Oklahoma to go to USC. That is a massive story. And it was a stealth undercover story. Again, I told you, my son goes to Oklahoma. I know a lot, I know some people at Oklahoma in the program. This is ugly. He left. No one knew. So follow me with this. Saturday in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Michigan is playing Ohio State, probably the biggest game of the year. And on the set of Fox is two Heisman Trophy legends from USC, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. The other guy on the set with Brady Quinn is Bob Stoops, Oklahoma legend, legend, and now the interim head coach. This was Saturday afternoon in Ann Arbor, Michigan. No one knew Lincoln Riley was leaving. No one in the program told Matt Leinart. No one told Reggie Bush. No one told Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is now the coach of the team, interim. So my point is, how did no one know about this? Because Lincoln Riley went behind Oklahoma's back, rightfully so, and secured the job with USC. And when he did that, what he did was he let his students down. Now, this happens everywhere. Coaches leave all the time. But the way he did it, going into a rivalry game at Bedlam against Oklahoma State, in a game that could decide Oklahoma going back to the Big 12 championship game, and Lincoln Riley was completely outcoached. My Twitter feed shows it. I was losing my mind. I was sitting home with my wife every play going, what's going on? What are you doing, Lincoln? Open up the offense. He was checked out. Several of his coaches were checked out. 
So as I'm reporting today, what I'm reporting today, I am, is that several people in that program, players and coaches, clap back at Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley didn't even want to address the team. All the kids he recruited, every kid he sat in the living room, everyone's mom and dad who he hugged on the sideline on senior day, he didn't even want to, re- he didn't even want to address the team. He was told to do it. There was a high-profile coach that said, knock it off because he was just full of crap, and a couple of the players clapped back at him. And then Lincoln Riley took a couple of his best coaches, and he's gone to USC. Fact. Now, let's talk about that. That's fair. What he did was brutal, but he's allowed to do it. This is USC. So now there is a debate going on about USC and what USC brings to the table. USC is bigger than Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a better program right now, but Lincoln Riley's a hell of a coach. For all the criticism I'm giving him right now for the way he handled this, Lincoln Riley is going to coach up USC, and USC is going to be in the college football playoffs in two years. It's quickly going to change at USC. He's going to get Lincoln Riley got Baker Mayfield. When you look at Kyler Murray, Spencer Rattler, he got Jalen Hurts after he left Alabama to go to Oklahoma. He gets everybody. He gets the best wide receivers and quarterbacks. He will bring them to USC, and USC will be explosive. And USC's got unlimited money. See, I thought Lincoln Riley was going to be the head coach of the Cowboys. I thought that was his move. Nothing's better than Oklahoma. It's a great program. Go to Dallas. Be the head coach of the Cowboys when Mike McCarthy's done. Then you have that job, and Jerry's got a checkbook. USC has a much bigger checkbook than Jerry. Jerry's rich. Jerry's a billionaire. USC's got multiple billionaires. I mean, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Ivey are donating buildings on campus. They are flush with cash, and they just did a stealth move. And now Lincoln Riley is already in Los Angeles, head coach of USC. I bring up this topic because it's very important that I get to know you as a fan. You know I interact with a lot of fans live. I go to events, we talk. This one is really close to my heart. What do you think about these coaches who screw the players over and leave in the middle of the night? College basketball, college football. Not the pros. Those are men. Those are grown-ass men who are making money. College kids are not. They can make a little money now here, but no one's figured it out yet. What is your take on these coaches that on a Tuesday tell a mom and dad, we need you to come visit. We want you to be our starting center next year. we got a scholarship for you. And then get on a plane in the middle of the night and fly to another school and take a new job. What what do you think about that? It's a very important topic in sports radio because everybody should have a grasp of this topic. From UNLV fans, basketball, football, to anybody who's listening around the country. Do you just look at it and say, look, that's life. You get a better opportunity, you leave. You're allowed to go from Ben and Jerry's across the street to Haagen-Dazs if they're paying you more. You're allowed to, and they're paying them more. But the point is how he handled it was pathetic and gutless. And do you say, hey, JT, no big deal. That's life. These grown men, these young kids in college are going to be men someday. they got to learn the harsh realities because this is a harsh reality. And what's going to happen to the Oklahoma program is a lot of players are decommitting now. So it really puts their program in chaos because Lincoln Riley couldn't stay to the end of the year so they could have a plan in place. i got to clarify this, but reportedly – Bob Stoops was in the middle of playing golf in his backswing when he found out about this. Oklahoma found out about this on Twitter. On Twitter. I'm talking the president and AD found out about it on Twitter. 
You know how much they paid Lincoln Riley and what he did for that program, and they have to find out that way? This is a massive topic in sports. And, you know, we got an interim head coach here that I call head coach because he is, Rich Passaccia. These are grown men. But when you do this to a college program and college kids, and you promise them and you hug them and you say, you're going to be, I'm going to be here for four years, I'm going to be here next year. You cannot debate me at all on the topic that Lincoln Riley checked out going into Bedlam. Their rivalry game that he checked out. This isn't UNLV Nevada. Okay, this isn't all of a sudden, you know, Jay Norvell up in Nevada knows he's going to take a bigger job than Nevada. And he goes into the Cannon game and he's not prepared. Lincoln wasn't ready and prepared and his players weren't. He was checked out. He took the USC job and was ready to drop a stealth bomb and he did. It's a huge topic. 702-365-9200. Jay in Vegas, thanks for waiting. We appreciate it, Jay. Go ahead. I appreciate you taking my call, JT. Um, I was actually going to comment on the Raiders uh, first, but after you brought up that Lincoln Riley stuff, it actually made me think and Look, man, if I had a, a, you know, a five-star recruit that was interested in going into USC and Lincoln Riley sitting in my living room, well, huh, I'm not going to make it easy for him. I'm going to ask him, you know, for transparency and what the hell happened uh, with Oklahoma. And, man, how could I trust you in having the best interest uh, uh, for my son, uh, you know, if you're just going to get up and leave like that? You know, so that's first and foremost to uh, answer your question on that. As far as the game, uh, look, JT, it did two things for me. Uh, one, it helped me uh, digest and, the food and <laughs> it helped the drinks go down a lot smoother, uh, for one. For two, it just reassured me uh, that when the Raiders are clicking, they can beat any team. They can beat any team in the NFL when they're clicking like this. I mean, look, JT, uh, you know, uh, for the, before the Cowboys game and a few weeks you know, prior, you know, I heard you put together awesome game plans. Heck, I, I, I called, you know, before the Cincinnati Bengals game, and I, I, you know, told you what I wanted to see. And for whatever reason, we weren't seeing it. So going into this game, you know, it could have gone either – it could have right. gone – for me, it could have gone either way. Either they're going to, you know, pack it in or they're going to come out swinging. And, man, the way their body language, their, their, the way they came out fighting, and the way they started quickly, you know, for the first time this year, they started quickly and they jumped on them quick. That, that's exactly what you have been talking that's about. That's all I've been what, saying. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's hard to stop. Hold on, it's hard to start fast if the opponent, the opponent is game planning you and they do a good job. My point is with the Raiders, they can't afford in one of those first drives of the game to run the ball into a pile on second and seven. It doesn't work. And then they put all the pressure on third and six, third and five. And if they don't get that first one, that first third down. If they don't complete that short yardage pass, it's tipped, it's dropped, it's just not a good throw, there's pressure on Carr. All the air comes out of the stadium at Allegiant, and they're back to square one. So I just think they got to open up every game at Allegiant the rest of the way, four wide, no backs, if it's just going to be Josh, no fullback, and have Derek move the pocket and, and hit some solid, well-rehearsed plays in the opening drive to get the crowd in the game and to get an early score. And I think they're going to do that the rest of the way. How can they not? Absolutely. I mean, they, they really need to, uh, you know, obviously they're looking at the tape, but they really need to build up and, and build up on that and keep doing what, you know, what got them there. Um, now, as far as with uh, Deshaun Jackson, I know you, uh, you know, are good, oh, you're the type of person that always gives you know, credit where credit is due. Man, I can't believe what I'm about to tell you right now, but given his history, 
But I'm giving Deshaun Jackson tons of credit here. You know, he had a bad rap, you know, because a me first type of player. But you know what? What he's showing me and the more involved he's getting in this offense shows me that he's really grinding and he's really trying to get this offense and he's really out here trying to help us. You know, you mentioned the fact that if the Raiders or if uh, Derek Carr throws, you know, for over 300 yards, you know, he's 6-0. and Well, Deshaun Jackson is going to be a big key to that. He's going to be a huge key to that. And, and, and I love the way that he's, you know, grasped this team and, 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 and you know, the, his attitude just in, in overall, you know, I just, I just love the way he's playing uh, so far. And I, just, I hope he keeps it up. And I hope the continuity, continuity you know, between him and Derek keeps building forward. But uh, thanks yep, for the thank call, you. JT. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You know, the, the game plan, what the hell do we all know, right? We're fans. I'm just a fan behind a microphone. But we could see some of the obvious things that are clear now. You know, the first three games of the year, I don't look at stats because they're trends. They're not stats. You know, a team could come out and have a great game. Remember Aaron Rodgers had his worst game of the year the opening week. They got destroyed. So you don't look at that as Aaron Rodgers. That's just a throwout statistic. But now, as we're in week 12 and 13, you know what you have with your team. The Raiders are only good when they're throwing. Do we all get that? They're only good when they're throwing. They're not good running the football. They want to run the football because Gruden's principles, which I believe two tight ends and a fullback, are sound. They're sound principles, and that's the playbook. But now the playbook gets thrown out, it gets tweaked, and it's more of an aerial attack. And you get everybody in the aerial attack quickly like Renfro, Waller. You don't make them wait. And now you have Deshaun Jackson, who should get two throws a half, deep downfield for a flag or a catch, a touchdown, whatever it is. So how, tar- how hard is that? How hard is that? You open up the game. You say, Deshaun, you're getting two a half. That's four. We'll probably get you more. Waller, you're getting 12 to 13 targets, period. Hunter, Hunter, you're getting 10. And then Zay Jones in the back of the room. Hand, Zay, Zay, we'll get right back to you. Hold on. We're building the game plan. We'll get back to you later in the week. And then uh, Foster Moreau, what about me? What about me? Foster, we like you a lot. We'll get back to you later in the week. But on the, on the board... It says, Deshaun, five to six, two a half. Josh, you're going to get about 20 carries. Waller, you're going to get 12 to 13 targets. Hunter, you're getting 10. And that's the game plan. Figure it out. And the offensive line block like hell and give Derek time. And, oh, Derek, how'd it feel to run for 20 yards? Felt good, right? Do it again. Then you beat the Washington football team, and we're throwing a party. Now the Raiders are closer with a dream and an opportunity to really shock the world here and get it done. That's how I see it. Over Thanksgiving, I went to Five Iron Golf twice and saw some Raider fans. Best place to hit golf balls on the best simulators in Vegas. Food, drinks are incredible. Brand new clubs. You can play any golf course in the world. I played TPC Sawgrass and parred the par three with a nine iron. Felt good about that. It helps my game when I got out on the course. Five Iron Golf. Over the last couple of years, I'd run for a few first downs here and there, but that's probably one of the longer ones I've had in a while. Um, and, um, you know, I, when, after I ran it, I looked over at Marcus and I gave him one of these. He just started laughing. I always call myself Cariota, and uh, he, he gets a kick out of that one. Anytime I scramble in practice or in a game, uh, I'll come up to him and be like, Cariota, bro, and uh, he'll laugh at me, probably just to appease me. But um, it felt good to be able to pick up that. They ran a game, and they got, actually got tripped up. 
and I felt it. it, it honestly, it's just like experience at that moment. I, I knew they were in the man coverage look on the back end, and when that game happened and they didn't have contain, I just took off. That was a big moment for Derek Carr. JT, back with you. Hope you're doing well here. We thank our friends at Grimaldi's. What a time to go to Grimaldi's now after Thanksgiving. Uh, before Christmas, all the great menu options. Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. Five locations here in the Valley. All over the Valley, perfect. It's fantastic. The menu is deep. It's great for football, great for carryout. And we have a couple of Grimaldi's gift cards for later on in the week. 702-365-9200. We're celebrating the Raider victory because I was the last guy on the air Thursday after the game. We're doing it on Monday. We're celebrating the win over the Cowboys. How did it make you feel? What can the Raiders build off of that win? What do you see in that game that leads you to believe that the Raiders can go on a playoff run? Allen in Vegas, you're up next. What's happening, Allen? JT, I'm still celebrating the win. I was able to come home from the Raiders Tavern and Grill and enjoy a great slice of pie right after that win. Um, and you're right about the offense. they got to open it up with the pass. Our run game is just not there. But what also helps, too, and uh, we're not giving them enough credit, is Dan Carlson. When he can hit five field goals, including one from 56, that opens up a lot of possibilities and a lot of options for our offense. Um, and a quick note on your college football question, you know, if the players can enter the portal at will at any time during the season and go to a different university and play, I believe the coaches can leave, too. Um, I know all these universities have a lot of loyalty and a lot of pride in their programs, but it seems like now with that name image likeness, all these players getting paid some sort of amount, these coaches should be allowed more freedom anywhere yeah. they want to. Yeah, I mean, they didn't break the law. Appreciate the call. I mean, Lincoln Riley didn't break, break the law. It's how he handled it. How he handled it is what we're talking about. But we all know that the topic is essential. It's very important. And, and look, I've looked into name image and likeness. Not everybody's making money at all, okay? There's a couple of people, a couple of players making money. Don't act like the backup tight end's making a penny doing this. And that could split a locker room, and that could split friends in a locker room. If all of a sudden a wide receiver and the quarterback are getting paid and the linebacker is what, getting a gift card for Jersey subs? That, that's his name, image, and likeness? Well, what is he making? This is the wild, wild west. It's still just emerging as the future of college football, paying – paying athletes to play, and the majority of them, 96.6% last time I looked, don't play on Sunday. So my theory's always been the same. I've evolved on this topic because I went from never pay anybody anything. Look, Terry Bradshaw didn't get paid in college. Go down the list. Everybody, no one got paid unless they were getting an envelope under the table. And that happened, but they weren't giving envelopes to everybody. Now, name, image, and likeness got these kids thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to make money in college. They're not making it to the NFL. Don't you understand that? None of them are. A tiny, tiny sliver of these athletes are going to play in the NFL. That means if they don't get their ass a job out of college, and I'm not talking coaching and being a coaching intern, if they don't get themselves a job and an education, good luck being an ex-college football player with nothing to show for it because you thought you were going to get paid in college and you thought you were going to the NFL. No, you're not. Because pretty much no one does. Only a small percentage of human beings go to the NFL. The rest need an education and a path in life. Everybody thinks my name, image, and likeness is going to get me rich in college? Give me a break.